Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Business Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Eric Compton. I do have my co-host, my battle brother, brother, my battle, uh, my brother from another mother, aka my battle buddy, uh, Mr. Brian, Brian Bearfield, aka Mr. Big Sarge. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Greetings and salutations from the great state of Texas. All right, and like he said, he's out there in the great state of Texas, um, in the great uh, city of Houston, and I am in Las Vegas, Nevada. So that is two different people, two brothers in two different states, two different time zones, and we get this thing called Sports Business going, and it is probably the most blazingest podcast out there on the wave. So go ahead and tell your friend, tell your battle buddy, tell your brother, tell your sister, your auntie, your cousin that we are on the airwaves, and it's not stopping because we can't stop, man. But, uh, hey, before we get in, go ahead and get into these business, uh, the sports business aspect of it, let's go ahead and knock out a little bit of admin work, man. Tell them where they can find you out, B.B. Find me at Big Star Sports with a Z on Instagram and Twitter and Brian L. Bearfield on Facebook. And you can find me once again. My name is Eric Compton. You can find me at Instagram on Money Compton. You can also find me on Facebook at Eric Compton. And also you can email the show at Sports Business. That's sports spelled with a Z and business uh, spelled with the Z at B-I-Z-N-E-S-S at gmail.com. But, uh, hey, man, uh, let's go ahead and get straight into this, man, because week two was pro- week two of the NFL week was probably one of the most – I don't know, B.B. I don't know how – like, you know, I think I think it was one of the most – it was a soap opera is the best way to explain it, man. It was so bizarre, so many twists, so many different turns, man. It's the closest thing I could have said to this week two, man, was it was a soap opera. Like, it was a marathon, bro. Um, it's so many different um, points that we got to put out that we're going to try to try to squeeze in everything that we can tonight. But, uh, man, I, I first from special teams to to jokers walking out to uh, uh, teams that are just on the brink of just not looking good. I mean, there's just so many things right now going on in NFL. But I can honestly say on the flip side, man, it's probably one of been probably been one of the most entertaining weeks also as, as well. But um, uh, first things first, uh, I think what we need to get into probably would be, would be um, there's two games that kind of point out, well, really three games off the top of my head that kind of stuck out to me. Um, some of them were controversies. Some of them, it looks like maybe another team may be taking the helm of the AFC, um, as well as another player who's on the rise. So, uh, maybe, uh, if you had to take away one thing from this weekend, man, what was it? Uh, I was very surprised by the way uh, Jacksonville stayed aggressive against the uh, New England Patriots. I, I I thought that they had got to a point where they were going to ease up, but I think that they learned a lot from last year, so uh, I was happy to see that. I think that their game, between their game and watching the Eagles, they knew what it took to finally put away the uh, New England Patriots. Yeah, man, so let's go ahead and dive into that game in particular, because I think that game, I don't even think we discussed it on the pre-show yesterday, so we'll definitely catch it on the flip side as if it was a, a a spin cycle and we'll hit it on the backside, man. But uh, that Jacksonville Jaguars who defeated the New England Patriots, the reigning AFC champion, New England Patriots, I might add, to a 31-20 to game was very, very interesting. Um, Leonard Fournette, their 1,000-yard running back, did not even play. Um, basically, what I got out of the game is that it looks like the Patriots basically challenged to break – Blake Bortles to beat him by throwing the ball in. They caught him on his bluff, and he sat there and slanged that ball around like he was doggone Aaron Rodgers or somebody. Uh, Blake Bortles went 29 for 45, 377 yards with four touchdowns um, with the receiving core that, you know, maybe one of the more, you know, un- less and lesser known t- uh, receivers out there. Um, but they, they did what they needed to do, and they sat there and made the Patriots pay for every mistake that they showed and I don't know you know the Patriots have somewhat of a knack where they kind of start off slow coming out of the first four games around two and two but for some reason man I I think I think Jacksonville might be it this year and I'm not saying this is the down you know this might be the downside of the Patriots but man this might be Jacksonville's year bro like they that defense between the defense and if Blake Borders can stay like that for the whole season man I man it ain't too many teams out there off the top of my head that can sit there and beat these guys bro 
I, I, I said today that the only team that I think in the NFL that can beat the Jacksonville Jaguars at this point is the Los Angeles Rams. They are the only team in the NFL that matches up well with them on the defensive side of the ball and on the offensive side. And, and you may have to give – you normally would want to give the advantage to um, the Los Angeles Rams with golf and girly, but with Bortles and Fournette, I mean, I think that they're just as, you know, capable of, of doing whatever that duo out there could do. So it's, I, I don't see anybody knocking off the Jacksonville Jaguars if they continue to play like they played on mm-hmm. yesterday. We just hope that Blake Bortles doesn't have a relapse. And finally, after year, what, five, he's finally getting it together. And um, it was really interesting on yesterday, to see a Bill Belichick-led team not be able to stop a crossing route. Last yeah. year, it was a back out the backfield. This year, it was a crossing route. Yeah, and I don't know what's going on with the defense, man, but the last couple of years, they've been a little, they've been a more of a bend but don't break. They haven't been known as that, you know, top-tier echelon defense that uh, they've been able to produce. So I don't know what, you know, what they got to do to fix that up, but they need to fix that up as fast as they can. But like you said, last year was – um, the running backs coming out in the flats and just getting broken down out there. And now it looks like they can't stop a crossing route or man, really, to be honest with you, if you from what I saw, they couldn't stop people. It was a crossing route, a, a, a slant route, a, a out route, a, a go route. They couldn't stop nothing out there, man. You know, you got jokers out here catching the ball with behind their back with, the, with, with a dude just draped all over them with one hand. I mean, it wasn't really nothing that uh, the, the, the Patriot defense could do, bro. Like them boys was really on fire. And, they, I mean, they, they, they might be slept on this year, man. I, I, don't, I think, I think they, you know, they're knocking at the door, saying that they are one of the most, more elite teams in the league, man. And uh, it would be very, very interesting to see if these two teams play again and later on in the uh, AFC Championship game, possibly. But it's definitely something to keep your eye on. But you know, you know, everyone's trying to figure out, you know, what's wrong with the Patriots. Um, you know, is this the year where they start uh, going on the downfall with Tom Brady on the other side of forty? I think it's year number eighteen for him. Um, Bill Belichick and them, you know, so we'll see what ends up happening. But, you know, I think most of us heard today that they were able to pick up Josh Gordon from the uh, the Cleveland Browns. So uh, I don't know what his status will be on Sunday, but that is a definitely an interesting pickup. I think that's a good move for the Patriots. It is a good move for the for for the uh, for Josh Gordon himself. Um, that's a no nonsense uh, organization. So I think, you know, being that it's a zero zero tolerance uh team over there I think he the the room for error for him should he should have I think if this doesn't wake him up at this point man I I don't really know what will but I definitely think that this if they can utilize him correctly you know they were able to get Randy Moss uh, from Oakland that one year for a seventh round draft pick and you know people thought Randy Moss was on his way out the door and he literally revived his career by going to New England so you know I don't know if Tom Brady can make that magic happen again with Josh Gordon but it'll be very, very interested to see um, what they plan on doing with that, bro. Yeah, it, it will be with seeing what they're doing, Josh Gordon. But just to get back to the game for a second, the one, uh, uh, two aspects that uh, nobody really looked into uh, uh, that I didn't really hear anybody say anything about um, today when I was listening to just different sports radio shows. One, Blake Bortles, uh, you know, he outbraided Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. One, he played very well. And two, so what Jacksonville did was they it looked like they they took the blueprint from the New England Patriots and ran it against them. They ran a lot of pick plays on yesterday, and nobody really pointed that out. But that, even the uh, the touchdown to the tight end in the end zone, Safari Jenkins, yeah, yeah, that was mm-hmm. a big play. He ran uh, the the wide receiver ran right into the defensive back, and mm-hmm. that's how he was so wide open. And they did that a lot of the crossing routes. A lot of the crossing routes as well, but um, but they took a page out of Belichick's book and it, it, it worked to a T. And now you can see why you know if they keep that in. That's going to be successful with Josh Gordon going to the New England Patriots. If he can stay clean, that puts the Patriots right back up there, and that should be an interesting uh, that should be an interesting uh, AFC Championship game if it is the Patriots and the Jacksonville Jaguars because Josh Gordon can spread the field. Then they're going to dink and dunk with Edelman back, and then you put Gronk, Gronk on the other side. And so adding a, adding a um, wide receiver like that. I, I, when that came across the waiver wire today, I was actually on the show, and I seen it, and I talked about it. And, and it was, to me, it's clearly 
it's clearly a case of you owe me one. Last year, New England Patriots sent Jamie Collins to the Cleveland mm-hmm. Browns. Yeah, I'm so sure did. They, they had a player that that the New England Patriots wanted. And so what did they say? Well, we owe you one. So here you go. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right about that. And I completely uh, – I think I talked about it a couple of weeks ago that the, uh, Jamie Collins was shipped over to the Browns. So it seems like the Patriots always do some type of business where, you know, they always say, hey, man, I'm going to scratch your back. You scratch my back on you know, when I need it. So you're absolutely right about that part because um, it's very, very interesting um, that out of all places that uh, Josh Gordon expressed his interest in going to, um, the Browns ended up choosing the Patriots. Now, I don't know what other teams, you know, I know the Cowboys are very interested in them. I don't know what the offer was that uh, asked for his services, but I definitely think that if he can do what he needs to do, um, you know, it'll be a definitely an interesting uh, transaction that took place, man. But So moving on to the next game, and I know that Patriots and the uh, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars game was pretty much another uh, banger. But another one that we got to go into, man, is this Kansas City Chiefs-Pittsburgh Steelers game, man. I haven't seen a guy, you know, I'm definitely sold on this Patrick Mahomes thing, but uh, he's kind of putting me in the Deshaun Watson-esque type of era where, you know, I'm not ready to buy a whole bunch of stock on him just yet. But this guy has already scored more touchdowns in his first two games with 10 touchdowns than anybody else in the league. I definitely think he's the real deal, but I'm not going to necessarily buy all my stock just because of what happened with Deshaun Watson with the injury last year. But, um, man, that guy, he's exciting, man. But when you got uh, weapons like Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, and Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt, man, it don't get any better than that. But what was your take on that game yesterday, bro? Um, uh, I, I think what I've seen from Patrick Mahomes on yesterday, he uh, – I mean, six touchdowns is very impressive by anybody, whether it be uh, Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. Anytime I see someone throw for six touchdowns, I, I'm very impressed. Uh, also, it also let me know that, you know, Mike Tomlin is going to be on the hot seat. It, it, I mean, unless he gets Le'Veon Bell in there, at some point he's going to have to go to management and say, this is a guy we need. Last mm-hmm. year, Last year, Le'Veon Bell had 32 carries for 179 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I think over the last four games against Kansas City, he's had like 93 or 97 carries for like 697 yards, somewhere around in that over 90 carries and over 690 plus yards. So uh, at some point, Cleveland, I mean, I'm sorry, at some point, uh, Pittsburgh is going to have to say, we need this. We need this guy. Antonio Brown has 160 yards receiving on the year with one touchdown, and he's getting frustrated. But mm-hmm. I've told people before, Antonio Brown is a diva, and when he's not getting the ball, Juju Smith-Schuster it has more uh, receiving yards than he has, and Jesse James has more touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get to a point to where he's going to explode. We've already seen him get into it with the reporter. Now we see him getting into it with the fan on, on Twitter. Yep. And so uh, that, that team is headed down a, a bad road unless they go get Le'Veon Bell. With the Kansas City Chiefs, the one thing I don't like uh, – well, I, I put it like this. It isn't that I don't like. It's the one thing that scares me is the fact that I've seen this Chiefs team before. I've seen them start out last year 5-0 and and then go 1-7 and and then win the last four games, lose to Tennessee in the playoffs. Uh, one year they won 10 games straight, and they lost to Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Andy Reid has a knack for doing, doing this. Even when he was with Philly, he could never get over the hump and win the big game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It, it, like you said, they do start off strong like some track stars. And next thing you know, you know, it's a sprinter. It's like Usain Bolt. You got Usain Bolt trying to run the dog on one mile PT, a two mile PT run. He's going to start off strong, but he's not going to be able to make it on that back end of the uh, that run back to the house. So, yeah, it'll be definitely interesting. But like I said, um, I was just thinking about this, man. You know, me, you and I talk about all talk practically all the time. Um, is it could this could this high potent offense, you know, where they're scoring, you know, maybe five to six plays and only taking two to three minutes off of the clock. Could this set, could this turn around and bite them on the butt later on in the season? And why, the reason why I ask you that question is because when you're scoring off of a five-yard hitch and turning that into a 55-yard burner, your defense, that's not giving enough time for your defense to recuperate. And it's kind of going to – I think it's going to – I think this will burn, bite them in the butt and it'll put them in that Chip Kelly-esque Oregon Ducks offense where they were running a, such a high-powered offense that the defense never had time to recuperate and they were gassed by, like, the fourth quarter. And I think – Personally, I think that's what's going to end up happening to this defense on the backside maybe later on in the year. What you think about that, man? 
Oh, I think that that defense can't afford to be on the field a very long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, for as because for as high powered as that offense is, then no, that defense does not does not play you know well enough to to sustain. And so I don't know if that means that you have to slow down Kansas City's offense. I don't know how you go and tell Patrick Mahomes, "Hey, bro, you gotta slow down, man. You scoring too fast. Like, you can you like sustain a drive?" And he gonna look at you like, "What? Right? Man, I'm used to running. Look, I'm used to running in one drive at least thirty plays. Right? Exactly. Right. So, exactly. I mean, and, and what I mean by I'm sorry, not thirty plays in a drive, but I'm used to I'm used to scoring sixty points on thirty drives throughout mm-hmm. the whole game. That's that's an entire game. We scored so we score so quickly. It's- Fast, and, uh, fast, fast, fast. I mean, at uh, Texas Tech. So, yeah, you you, you may have a, a great point about that, bro. Yeah, so it'll be definitely interesting to see. I think I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say that if the offense is this high power, man, the defense is going to start slipping up. And I'm not going to lie, man, when you're giving up 37 points on the back end, that kind of shows as well, too. So, um, yeah, they're scoring this high. They're a very, very high potent offense. But in the NFL, I don't know if a high potent offense like that necessarily helps you as a team as a whole. You got to have somewhat of a more balanced game. But like you said, DB, I mean, you know, how do you tell a dude who's used to sitting there out here, you know, especially in the Big 12, putting out here, putting a basketball team scores when it's just nothing but a passing league game, which practically seven on seven out there in the Big 12 as it is. So it's easier said than done. But, you know, hey, if it works, don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. But uh, I, I definitely thought that was interesting. But uh Man, I, bro, what's I mean the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, have they forgotten how to tackle? Like, I, I just, just what is going on with them right now, man? I just, I don't know. Pittsburgh is in Pittsburgh is in decline, and nobody wants to realize that. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to say out loud that Tomlin has 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 lost it. Ben is in a decline, and because at this point in time. Eli is taking a lot of heat. Eli Manning for the uh, quarterback for the New York Giants is taking a lot of heat mm-hmm. about his play. But Ben is the exact same way. Yep. Nobody talks about it like that because it's it's Big Ben. Right. But I mean, don't him and Eli got the same amount of Super Bowl championships? Yep, sure do. And so why can't Ben uh, receive some of that criticism? They without Le'Veon Bell. The defenses are just rolling the coverage over to Antonio Brown. They're not afraid of Juju Smith-Schuster. Right. And if Jesse James is going to kill him, then he's, they're going to allow – like, okay, you're going to you, – we have to see on a consistent basis that this is what you're going to do with Jesse James. But Ben, ben looked rattled on yesterday. Watching that game, there was a lot of scrambling. There was a lot of trying to get away. There was a lot of misreads. Mm-hmm. It, ben is getting to the point, and I, he hinted around – that he may be retiring, and then they they uh, went out and got a quarterback in the draft from Oklahoma State, and then all of a sudden he wants to play three to five more years. Now, nah, Ben, it's over, bro. It's time for you to go ahead and just retire and move on. Yeah, and you brought up a good point, man. That you're just talking about uh, Antonio Brown. He's a diva, but something that kind of trickled in my mind, man. Um, I don't know why this one in particular, this this incident with uh, the fan who you know kind of said that, hey man, maybe it's time for you to get your. What do you say? Oh, if you didn't have Big Ben, Big ben as your quarterback, you wouldn't be able to sit and throw up these godly numbers. Let me tell you something about Antonio Brown. As much as a diva this dude is, this dude is floating around as possibly one of the top five to seven greatest wide receivers of all time. Like he's up, like he's floating around there. He's not. He's at the table talking to these boys. And let me ask you this question, man, and then we're gonna move on off this uh, game. If you're if you're AB right now. And you probably and the ball, the, the writings on the wall are practically there, where it shows that maybe Le'Veon Bell, he's already said that he doesn't want to come back and play for Pittsburgh, even if they do sit there and bring him back this year. You see, Ben is on the decline. Well, how how much harm would it do for him to sit there and say, "Hey, you know, the team is on the decline. What's the point of me sticking around? Well, I can go to another team that's you know that's a closer contender, and I can sit there and still get my shine on because." You know, they, they, they're trying to show – they're trying to put the, the, the future into, like, cats like Juju Smith-Schuster. You got T.J. Watt on the defensive side of the ball. So, it looks like they're, they're somewhat – they're, they're kind of, like, stuck in neutral. They want to sit there and go into this new direction of trying to go to a younger team. But at the same time, you still got a lot of these veterans, man. So, if you're A.B., do you sit there and possibly maybe ask for a trade? If, especially if you know Le'Veon Bell ain't coming back this year? Because I think I might sit there and say something. I don't know. Well, can you ask for a trade when you ask for a big contract and they gave it to you? I mean, it's like it's like a double-edged sword. It's like mm-hmm. you don't want to play on this team anymore because you're not uh, being as productive as 
you 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 want to be, and it's due to the fact of a guy that needs to get paid. And you're and, and listen, Antonio Brown is out there saying Le'Veon needs to get paid, and when he comes back, I'm gonna I'm gonna welcome him with open arms because he realizes how important Le'Veon Bell is to his success and his numbers. Right. But um, uh, uh another thing is I I I I was wrong, bro. I the the guy that he got into it with. Is not just a regular fan. I think he's a former PR person for the Steelers. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah so. so we'll see what ends up happening. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, they ain't looking too good. And I'm gonna follow up with them on the back end of the show. Uh, definitely bring up there's a quite there's a there's an interesting topic that I definitely want to bring to your attention. But uh, we'll de- you know we'll definitely touch bases on that. But uh, um, I know it's another game that you know caught my eye and definitely caught your eye. Uh, me and you were actually discussing this game yesterday, and that was the Philadelphia Eagles against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, bro. Um, bro, Ryan Fitzpatrick and this Ryan Fitz magic, Ryan Fitz money. I'm gonna call this dude Conor McGregor. Um, I, bro, is this that th- th- he's got to be the curious case of Benjamin Button because this dude is just like never played this well ever. <laughs> it's it's crazy how this dude is just out here just balling with the same exact roster that Jameis Winston had, and he could drive the ball down the field like nobody else can. I I sat there and seen a stat yesterday that showed that uh, Jameis Winston and Deshaun Jackson only uh, only had, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers under Jameis Winston only had two two plays that combined over for 50-yard plays. And in two weeks, Ryan Fitzpatrick has already been able to do four plays over 50 yards. Last year, the whole season, I mean, you didn't even tell me that Jameis Winston couldn't drive that ball down the field for over 50 yards on two plays. And it's only two weeks in the season, and Fitzpatrick has already already done it four times. I, bro, I don't care. If, if Fitzpatrick comes back this week and plays a mediocre, uh, uh, above-average game, I'm not putting Jameis Winston back in. He's already a free agent as it is, and it might be time to move forward with him, man. I look at it. I, I... I, I say this. Uh, I'm very impressed by by Fitzpatrick. I think he has like 819 yards, eight touchdowns, and one interception on the season. So I'm very against, you know, um, a, a really good front seven on yesterday. Mm-hmm. Remember I told you, though. Remember what I said? I'm going to take the Bucks only because I'm not going to pick against – because I've never picked the Eagles. You did say that. But that's just something that made me like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to pick the Bucks and I picked the Bucks. So he's looking good. Yeah. I don't know if it's a case of maybe – I'll say can we revisit this by game five. By game five, there's enough game tape on him for the defense to actually scheme for him. Because even though they knew that he was coming in, what do you have to go back to when he played with the Jets? Yeah, or, like or the Bills. They played a couple of games uh, last year when – Jameis got hurt, so nobody has the the book on him yet, or this new improved uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, I don't want to take away from his accomplishments though, because he's looking good at what he's doing, and he's get, he's more accurate than Jameis is. Right. He's more accurate. He makes safer throws right. too. For a lot, uh, uh, for those who have not watched Jameis since he's been, I mean, since the Florida State days, Jameis forces a lot into coverage and he tries to force the ball in a lot because he had he has such a strong arm. Right. Jameis has a huge arm. He got a cannon. Right. And so it only takes him to see if he thinks if he sees just part of his receiver's jersey in between two defensive players, he feels like my arm is strong enough to zip it right through there. So he gets a lot of a lot of interceptions. Uh, if you remember the Oregon game, that uh, the Oregon game that they lost uh, after the after they had won a national championship game, um, he he had a lot of uh, he he made a lot of mistakes in mm-hmm. that game, trying to force it and trying to do too much. And so Fitzpatrick doesn't do that. Yeah. And, uh, and also, I'm I'm going to tell you who's really benefiting uh, uh, with Fitzpatrick being back there. Not only is Deshaun Jackson, but Mike Evans. For some yes, reason, yes, yes, Mike yes. Mike Evans, because you know Mike Evans has a huge case of the dropsies. Mm-hmm. Like he will drop. I mean, the ball will be in, and he'll just drop it. Mm-hmm. It looks like he need to be playing reason. the DB sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but for some reason, with Fitzpatrick, he doesn't. He does. He's not having a case of the dropsies now. He fumbled on yesterday, and I don't know what it's going to take for him. I don't think he needs to get his hands stronger, like uh, DeAndre Hopkins 
says that he uses he uses one of those strength grippers on his hands every day. Mm. Like the uh, the nutcracker things. Yes, and so that's that that's that's maybe what what uh what Mike Evans is. But like I said, they're benefit they're benefiting greatly from it. Or maybe Mike Evans needs to take a, a note from uh, Jerry Rice and sit there and have his daddy sit there and throw some bricks at him and go catch those. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, man, it'll be definitely interesting to see what ends up happening with this uh, Fitzpatrick uh, scenario case because it, it's it's definitely got my attention. Like you said, there isn't – I think a lot of us get hyped up over the now but kind of don't look into the in-depth. Like, you got to think about it. You know, there's very, very little game footage with him on this roster. So, you know, the weapons that he does have, he's utilizing it. And, you know, just because he's driving the ball down the field, he's driving the ball down the field with a guy named Deshaun Jackson. He's probably the best deep ball threat guy in the game um, who can just run that fly route in. There's nobody out there that's going to catch him out. So it'll be it'll be definitely interesting to see. But you also got to take into effect, man. Jameis Winston is on the contract here. So, you know, you know, it, you know, we've seen quarterback controversies where players get injured and they lose their starting position. But it'll be definitely interesting to see if a quarterback who got suspended for some off the field misconduct issues ends up losing their job. So it'll be kind of interesting to see about that approach because uh, for some reason, I'm kind of rooting for Fitzpatrick, man. Um, it's just I, I got a soft spot for him this year. So, you know, I hope I hope they prevail. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, shh, be quiet, but they 2-0, bro. So it'll be yeah. it'll be interesting to see. Uh, moving on to another game, man, that kind of uh, kind of rubs me the wrong way, man. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I hate ties in the NFL. Like I, I don't understand how college football you can't have a tie game and they can go to seven, eight, nine, ten overtimes. But in the NFL, you can you you can you can qualify for a tie. We've had two ties already in the first two weeks, man. It's just like that's just it's just ugly. I don't I don't I don't like to see that. And yesterday we had a 29-29 end-all, be-all with the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers that ended in a whole bunch of controversy at the end, man. Um, the Packers were able to have an uh, interception at the last minute that was actually taken away off of a rough in the passer with Clay Matthews, who's been penalized two times in the first two games off these rough in the passers and uh, ended up negating that last-minute interception by Kirk Cousins and ended up going into overtime. And, uh, man, that last drive after that interception, though, Kirk Cousins was driving the ball down the field. And that touchdown pass to Thielen, I yep. see why he got a fully guaranteed contract, man, because that thing, he drove the ball right down there. And I don't even know how they scored it. But, man, uh, bro, like that – what did you think about that, uh, that rough in the pass with Clay Matthews? Because the first game – when they played against the Bears, he did it, and that that was a little bit more flakier than this one. That's one I I, I'm a, I don't think that was rough in the passer, but I mean we play in the, we play in the today's game day and age where it's protect the quarterback. But I don't even know about that one, man. It's the optics, and when I went back and I and I looked at that play over and over again, it's the it's the optics of it, and I don't think that that was. I mean, like of course, you know, to us that wasn't you know as as tragic a hit as it may have seen but if you go back and you slow the play down and you look where his left hand is when his hand goes behind the thigh it's the optics of it looks like he's picking him up off the ground like he has him right in a small hole with his legs and when, when in all actuality kirk cousins was jumping the ground. yeah well he yeah he was going to the ground anyway mm-hmm. but it looked to the ref as Clay reached that 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 hand around the leg, and it looked like he picked him up off the ground. Yeah, and uh, I, and I said, how ironic is that that he his quarterback that's on the sideline? That's what the <laughs> what the rule was made for, and that's how you tie a game, or you know, in, in uh, Aaron Rodgers' words, you know, a, a tie is like a loss. And so, yeah, it, it was a it was a very bad call. I will say that, but I can see how the ref could have called it because of the optics, even though that was just a small time he had around the back of his thigh, but mm-hmm. it still looked like he picked him off the ground. Because you know what's crazy about that, even that whole that whole scenario, BB, is that the touchdown pass to Adam Thielen, he got drilled on that play, and I almost thought that was more of a rough in the pass penalty than the pat than the one that Clay Matthews got called for, and the one that went for a touchdown didn't even get looked at, but he got drilled on that play. Pass it into double coverage only to a place where Thielen could get the ball, and he had literally legitimately just put the team on the shoulders and won the game, man. I mean, Kirk Cousins went 35 for 48, 
425 yards and four touchdowns, man. They don't get no better than that. So um, I hate to see the games ending in the ties, but, man, that was a really, really good game. And I wish – I, I kind of wish they would have – if it's uh, – they can't fit there and get a winner in overtime, then it's just sudden death. Next next possession or next next person to score the ball, whether it's touchdown, field goal, safety, um, you know, they, they just win the game. Because, like you said, I feel like when every time I see a tie – both teams lost to me. Like, it ain't – nobody won, you know. And to me, both teams lost. So, I, I wish the NFL would definitely look into that because I think it definitely leaves somewhat of a sour taste in folks' mouth. I know it leaves a sour taste in my mouth, bro. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah, I don't like ties either. Yeah, so um, – but, yeah, so do you are, do you think the Minnesota Vikings are up there with the L.A. Rams? Are they – are they are they the, probably the top-tier NFC team up there with L.A. and Philadelphia maybe? Uh – I think that they may be right. I think that they may be the number two team in the NFC mm-hmm. uh, as time goes on. I mean, Kirk Cousins showed showed me a lot. I think I underestimated him. I mean, he looked I, like Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter. I told you, man. I've been a Kirk so, Cousins believer, man. I think. Yeah, I think he's I'm still- not. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm not going to even lie to you. I mean, yesterday he had a great game. I'm just not a believer in Kirk Cut. I've seen him play too much when I was stationed up at uh, at Belvoir in the DMV area. So okay, I've seen okay. Kirk Cousins play, and he's just he's. I mean, he has better weapons. So mm-hmm. maybe he might elevate his game now that he has more weapons. I, I just, I just don't see it. I think this is the first time in his career that he has a legitimate, like, like you said, some weapons with Thielen, Stephon Diggs. Um, uh, Dalvin Cook at the running back with Latavius Murphy. I didn't even mention name to mention the name. Kyle Rudolph is a good pass captain tight end. Um, he has an amazing defense backing him up. So he does. I mean, it's almost like a plug and play for him. You know, Case Keenum, I think, is a poor man's version of Kirk Cousins. But I think Kirk Cousins, I think he he's set up for success, man. He got a fully guaranteed contract. And uh, yesterday he earned every penny of it, in my opinion. So and you, you put uh, what you call it up there, man. I, I, I'm not going to even lie to you. I, I don't look at the Eagles, even with Carson Wentz coming back. The Eagles don't look good to me, man. And just like I said on yesterday before they played the Bucks, I said they have a great front seven, but the defensive backfield is very weak. Yeah. And they still look weak, and they have no offensive side of the ball. So I yeah. don't even know if we can consider the Philadelphia Eagles another uh, a, a top tier team. Yeah. I don't. I listen. A healthy Aaron Rodgers team, I think, could beat the Philadelphia Eagles right now. And so yeah, they uh, and they, they got they benefit. They benefited a lot last year from a fourth, uh, uh, from having such a bad uh, schedule. They went through; they had like the fourth fourth worst schedule, I think, in the league, and they just ran right through it to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and not to mention, you know, do you, I, I, and I, I'm glad you brought it up because I don't think we was able to touch on it. You know, with do you think that the Eagles are panicking by uh, activating Carson Wentz, aka Mr. Prince Harry, this week, uh, this weekend? I think they are. I think, I think. You know, Deshaun Watson is somewhat of a perfect example of maybe they're rushing him back too fast because this is your franchise quarterback who's supposed to be there, be there for the next seven to ten years. I don't know if this is something just off of one loss. Is I don't think he was him coming on the field. I don't know if that gives him that much of a chance of winning when you see Mike Wallace. Uh, he's out, looks like possibly for the year with a broken leg. Um, Alshon Jeffrey has missed the first two games of the season. So my thing is like, you know. I think I also think that them missing Legarrette Blunt is hurt. Blunt is hurting them. Uh, Jay Ajayi hasn't really done anything, so I, I don't know. Just because you you know you take your first loss of the season, that it's time to just be that hasty and bring it in Carson Wentz. Because if you look around him, he ain't really got a lot to work with right now. You're right, and I, I think that the Eagles may be panicking a little bit by bringing him back early, and it's only going to take about another two or three good hits, and he'll mm-hmm. be back on the sideline again. But then again, you have to look at it as, you know, they may, you know, we we may call it uh, it panicking, but I mean, Nick Foles hasn't given you any indication that he's going to be to get any better, right? So they. So I guess they have to bring in Wentz maybe back, uh, you know, a little bit before his time because Nick Foles has played so poorly. Right, right. But I also think just because they play in such a terrible, sorry division that it's almost like if if they can if Nick Foles can play okay and the defense can do what they need to do, they, I mean, who's to say that they might not win this division in default? And that kind of that kind of leads me into the next game that we're about to talk about, which is a Sunday night game, which was, I mean, one of the Worst ones after I sat to me and you sat and praised about how Sunday night games are so good. We got the dog on Dallas Cowboys against the uh, 
the New York Giants out here in almost a snooze fest with the Cowboys being able to pull away on a 20-13 win, man. Um, I, I thought about this today um, as I was getting ready to go to work, man, um, especially after digressing after last night's game. The New York Giants, not to mention, not that Eli Manning is just not giving them a chance to win with always being, a, you know, just just leading. The, what did you say he led the lead? He's the active leader in interceptions right now, 226 or something like that. 229. Yeah. So with that being said, and their offensive line is just terrible. They just lost their center for the their starting center for the year. Um, Eric Flowers, the uh, blindside tackle, is not being able to pan out well. Do you think that the New York Giants should have drafted Saquon Barkley at number two? And should instead of drafting Saquon Barkley, should they have bolstered up that offensive line to give Eli Manning a standing chance? Because uh, Ingram is a good pass catcher tight end. I like um, oh the guy from Oklahoma. I can't think of his name. That's on the other side of uh, Odell Beckham Jr. right now. Uh, uh, Shepard, Shepard, Sterling Shepard. Yeah. Uh, I like Sterling Shepard. I think I, I don't know if that was the best pickup because. He kind of put – it's not a Barry Sanders S where he's out here running around not being able to have any holes to hit because his offensive line is terrible, man. Like, I don't know. Looking back at it now, I don't know if drafting Saquon Barkley would have been the, was the best interest for the Giants right now. Um, so I thought that they were going to go with the, with the quarterback to replace Eli as they went on, but I guess they have so much confidence in Eli that they said, no, nah, we'll go with Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley will be good. Once someone teaches him how to run north and south instead of east and west, and mm-hmm. it's not, you know, sometimes just it's great to just go ahead and get the three, three yards, yards. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and start over. I mean, you know, and move on to the next play instead of trying to make the spectacular play and mm-hmm. end up going east to west and spinning. And, you know, that's going to cause you to fumble one day. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that they should have taken uh, – I think that the Giants should have taken a. a uh, a quarterback okay. instead of taking a, a running back. And now, you know, I have a different outlook on it. And it may be – I have a different outlook on the game, man. You know, I may have a little bias because <laughs> I am a Dallas Cowboy fan. But, you know me, I will talk about Dak at another – Oh, don't be – well, I'm getting on to him. Don't worry. We're going to move over yeah. to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm going to tell you what I loved about that game. I love the fact that I'm seeing this this defense come together yes. right in front of my eyes. And even though they don't have Randy Gregory and David Irvin, they're still the number three overall defense in the league. And they would have been number two only to – so it's only the only two teams ahead of them is the Los Angeles Rams averaging 6.5 mm-hmm. – uh, averaging 6 point – giving up 6.5 points a game. And the Washington Redskins is giving up 13 points. Five, the Cowboys is giving up fourteen point five. Mm-hmm. They don't give up those that that mean that that ten ten points at the end of the game. That they're, they're arguably in second place, mm-hmm. you know, looking to go to first. So their defense is getting better and better. And I have to attribute it to the guy. I can't think of his name, uh, but he's the um, uh, the passing coordinator, and he's probably going to take Rod Rod Marinelli's place once he retires. The the guy that they got from Seattle. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name right now, but I can't I... either. But he's he's changed that defensive backfield, yeah. And that's all Rod Rod Marinelli really needed. I'm glad that somebody finally told Rod Marinelli that it's 2018, though, because some of them defenses that he was calling the last couple of years, I was like, he swear he's he's coaching the game from '85. Yeah, 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 definitely, man. And uh, <laughs> it's crazy, but uh, just to back up on uh, the, the 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 New York Giants, man. Um, here's here's my only takeaway. I. I you know, I, maybe they should have went with a quarterback. I don't know if drafting Saquon Barkley was the best, you know, best move for them. But another thing that you can't do, man, you can't pay Odell Beckham Jr. ninety-some million dollars guaranteed money and then make your leading receiver or your running back with fourteen catches. Like, I know the Dem- uh, the Dallas Cowboys defense is ferocious, but you got to find a way to get Odell OBJ the ball, man. But moving on to the other side, man, you know, I don't really necessarily have a dog in the race. Um, as good as the Dallas Cowboys defense is, they are a complete 180 of what that offense is. And Dak Prescott, 
he needs to sit there and not buy his offensive line a whole bunch of stuff. He needs to sit there and buy every single person. You know, at the end of the year, you know, the quarterback always sits there and buys an offensive line, you know, like a Christmas gift or, you know, doing what it is that they're doing. He need to buy everybody on defense uh, a GoPro or some PS4s or something. He need to be buying them jokers. Everyone on the defense something on uh, for Christmas this year, man, because if it ain't for the defense, these the two games against Carolina and, and New York could have been a lot uglier, man. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at Dak Prescott. And he's just, I don't know what it is, but he definitely needs some help because, he you know, going 16 for 25 for 160 and with 64 of those yards going from uh, to Tavon Austin on that one pass, that ain't going, I mean, that can only get you so far for so long, man. But, uh, man, what's going on with this offense, bro? Well, I don't, I don't know if it's so much the offense as it's Dak. And for, for the thing that made Dak so great in his first year is the one thing that he's gotten away from. Dak, when he first came out, would definitely go through his progressions. Mm-hmm. And now the last two games I've watched Dak, he does not. I mean, there was uh, there, there was a play, I think it had to be in the first – it was in the first half. I just thought maybe the second quarter. Uh, they got stopped on first and ten. Second and ten, they run a play. Allen Hearns comes in the crossing route and breaks wide open. But by that point, Dak had already made the decision that he was going to throw down the field. Right. And he threw it down the field. So right. guess what? Lenahan called the exact same play. They came back. Allen Hearns came open again. And Dak still tried to force it down the field. So he needs to he needs to take a step back and look at him. Yeah. Does he have does he have the best wide receiver core? No. But you're also, if you don't, if they're breaking wide open, you gotta give them a chance to at least catch the ball. I mean, yes, you have you have a a, a a wide receiver core that the only recognizable person in a Walmart or Shipley's Donuts would be <laughs> Cole Beasley. You know, nobody knows who Deontay Thompson is. Nobody knows who Alan Hearns is. I mean, right. you'd be in a Walmart with them, and then it, you'd be just like, hey, dude, you work out? Like, where you work out at? And he'd be like, I play professional football. Both of us do. You'd be like, for who? you be like, for, for the Cowboys. And you can be in Arlington, Plano, Los Colinas, Dallas. You can yeah, Richardson. you can be in all those places, and you just be like, um, like dude, like where you work out at? And he's like uh, at the Cowboys training facility. He's like you got the hookup? Can you get me in? Like I play for the Cowboys. Me and this guy right here. I was like, bro, okay. Uh, good luck on the season. And so, um, no, bro, I don't see it as uh, Dak just needs to get himself together. Do they need uh, do they need a, a new offensive scheme? Yes, they do. Lenahan, I, I was glad that he ran some zone read and got Dak Prescott those forty because those those were good good forty five yards right. he had on six carries last night. Right. So that 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 read uh that, that zone read was mm-hmm. great. And one more thing before we move on, uh, I said this earlier and I'm gonna say it again. The problem with Odell Beckham Jr. is not only Eli, but the Giants organization as a whole and the media. You cannot take his mojo away his nah. mojo is what makes him top five wide receiver in the league yeah. his mojo is what got him the numbers to to get to be the highest paid wide receiver in the league when you right. tone him down when you calm him down you take away his edge and that's what i've seen these last two games you know they interview odell and it's just like you know i put it like this he is odell he ain't obj no more he they they taking away his brand. There's no videos mm-hmm. dancing. There's no sideline antics. There's no scoring antics. He can't because he, he can't get in the end zone. But right. you told him in order to get this contract, especially the people like Chris Carter, the Talking Heads, yeah. in order to get this contract, he has to calm himself down. Right. And when you calm him down, he can't play his game anymore. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you gotta let the uh, you gotta let the. Uh let the juices fall and let these people be them, man. And sometimes you got to take it with the good and the bad. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the Cowboys defense uh, – actually, I should say if the Cowboys offense can follow, you know, match up with the Cowboys defense because that defense is amazing, bro. Like, they're really, really good. And I think a lot of the league is sleeping on them. But uh, moving on, man, I'm going to give you a quote, BB, and I want you to fill in the blank to think who said this, okay? And it'll uh-huh. lead in my next segment, okay? So uh-huh. – and I'm going to go – and I quote – we got to do something to get more pressure. Maybe call some more blitzes. Bro, uh, I don't know why you would want to bring Chucky up. <laughs> I don't know why you would bring up. 
I don't know why you would bring up your favorite guy, younger. I don't know why you brought up uh, Split Wide Banana XL, whatever it is called. And, and you know what, though? It's so, it, it, the, the tragic thing about it is, not only does he suck, but his brother sucks. I've been saying that. Oh, yeah, he's terrible up in Washington, so, man. <laughs> I don't know how he still got a job, man. I think. I think they need to fire Jay Gruden and bring them on over to the Bay Area and see what they can do because uh, maybe two Grudens are better than one and one. And one. Uh, bro, when I heard this quote, I said, you just traded a guy who you could have just put more, more pressure on without blitzing less than 10, 14 days ago. What are you talking about? Hey, didn't, <laughs> hey, didn't, we, just see, didn't, didn't we just see the guy the, the guy tonight be another be a disruptive, disruptive force? Against the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, you got to look at it as, like, the, the last two games, look, the last two games, I'm pretty sure that Gruden was sitting somewhere in one of his, in his mansion or something, just looking like, you know, daydreaming, like what could have been if he would have just swallowed his pride, but he's not going to swallow it, he, he wasn't going to swallow his pride. I think in, when it's all end all be all, probably at the end of the season, he's going to have to come out of the woodwork to say, you know what, man, I messed up, um, uh, it's just crazy, but moving into that game, man, and you know, it pains me to talk about this one, and that is the uh, the Oakland Raiders once again show that they are probably the worst team in the NFL. Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'll follow up with that uh, segment later on, but uh, they ended up losing nineteen to twenty to Denver after they was up, I believe, thirteen zip at halftime or thirteen three at halftime. Bro, the 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 Raiders are the most Mister Jekyll and Mister Hyde team I've ever seen in my life, bro. How are you out here scoring, outscoring your opponents in the first half, and then in the second half you're losing a combined of forty-three to ten in your first two games? So does that mean the defense just doesn't come out after halftime, or do they just stop playing, thinking that they just gonna, you know, they 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 got it? They they just think they got it, and they don't need to do nothing in the second half. I mean, from the play calling to the defense literally just collapsing in the second half. I mean, it they just look terrible. Like, when I don't know what it is. Like, does Chucky turn into a Mr. What was, what was the dog called before he turned into the evil thing? Like a Mr. Good Guy or something like that? Or a Mr. Good Dog? Um, it's like John Gruden goes from Chucky down to, like, the Mr. Good Guy. Um, the, 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 the toy, the toy uh, doll that uh, turned before he gets all demonic. Like, they just turn into, like, the soft popcorn team that just – Plays in this little <laughs> soft shell team, just doesn't, you know, they let him pass and catch up and, you know, they just, they just stop caring. I mean, what is going on with these boys, man? Because I, I can't put my finger on it but that, man. They're just Jekyll and Hyde. Well, you got to look at it like this, man. You, you get to a point, I, I've said this on numerous occasions, there are teams out there that don't know how to win. The Browns, the Bills, the Raiders, the Jets. They don't know how to win. And mm-hmm. when you have a losing culture like that for so many years, you get used to losing. Yeah. So even when you're, when you're winning and you're doing things right, you just know in the back of your mind, especially players that have been there, that we're going to find some way to lose this game. And that's what I look at at the Raiders. And the play calling became very conservative in the second half to me. Super, you know, they weren't doing what they needed to do. Yeah. Your boy got to touch the ball a lot yesterday. Amari like Cooper said, did. He yeah, he ten, did. Ten touches uh, for 116 yards. Mm-hmm. And so, but you still got to keep doing the little things and the little. Yeah. You got to do the small things that got you the lead. Yeah. And the aggressive things that got you the lead, and they just they just don't do it. And so when you have a culture of, I know Losers. we're gonna lose. Yeah. It's like. I put it like this. You ever been, you remember when you was in the army and you were like, man, I think we're going to get zonked today. Man, they don't never <laughs> us, man. We ain't going to do PT, man. Man, first of all, don't like us like that. You know what I mean? It's like, right, bro, right, right, shut right. up, man. Nobody want to get out of that negative energy, bro. Exactly. As a matter of fact, man, you got, take your butt to the back. Go yeah. Get to the back formation, man. Yeah, we don't, don't say that. Yeah, yeah we don't say that. Yeah, exactly. Just going here at ease with all that, all that job talking you're doing over there. Exactly. Yeah, man. So we're not gonna go on too much because you know I might sit there and get a little misty out on the show, and I definitely don't want our fans to see my little soft side and me getting into my Drake Drake mode, going all light skin around here. So we just gonna switch gears, and I'm gonna flip the script on you, and uh, we're gonna talk about this Tennessee Titans against the Houston Texans. BB man, I've been sitting here trying to tell people about these Houston Texans. You got me out here looking like Boo Boo the Fool, man. What's going on, Brody? 
It's uh, you know, it's a. Uh, I, I said this today. There's no way that you lose to a Blaine Gabbert-led team. No possible way you lose to a Blaine Gabbert-led mass unit. The Tennessee Titans have lost three offensive linemen. They lost uh, Delaney Walker mm-hmm. for the season. They mm-hmm. lost Mariota, and you still lose to them with Deshaun Watson putting up over 300 yards and two touchdowns. You just look at it as what is going on. It's a Bill O'Brien issue. It's a Bill O'Brien problem. It's time for him, one, to relinquish those offensive play calling duties. I know that you, you know, you think you're this offensive guru and you're this quarterback whisperer, but it's time, man. You need to bring in a younger, a young, fresh mind that's yeah. going to be innovative instead of everybody knowing exactly what you're going to do. You had to know that Mike Brable's on the other side. Like, I know all your plays, Bill. Even if you add one, even if you just add one thing, I still know where the bulk and the majority of your plays are going. And you can tell also the Texans offensive line looks just like the uh, the Seahawks offensive line, just like the Giants offensive line. And they're going to get, man, they're, they're going to get Deshaun Watson hurt. Yeah. And it, they rebuilt that line, but then you lose Central Henderson, then you bring in uh, Mankins, the, the rookie, to play. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, man, where it just – and bonehead plays. You're, you're, you're undisciplined. You got too many penalties. Mm-hmm. You know, the penalty called against Jadavion Clowney on the sideline for taunting. And I'm saying to myself, I understand, but I don't understand. Because if you look at the replay, the guy bumped Jadavion Clowney first. Mm-hmm. And Jadavion Clowney just reacted. Anybody in Houston will tell you Jadavion Clowney is the biggest, like, nicest, kid, kid-friendly guy you ever want to meet. But if you cross him the wrong way, He's going to talk a lot of trash, and he's going to get in your face because he's not going to—he's not going to allow it to happen. So, uh, I don't know what's going on. They're not sticking with the running game. Lamar Miller is looking good. Alfred Blue is even looking good. Right. And maybe you know this this offensive line. You know, at one point, you, you have to say like maybe they're better at run blocking than they are pass, pass blocking. blocking. Yeah. You have to build them up because right. when they're allowed to get out and go. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alfred Morris and Lamar Miller are, are making, you know, some really good runs. But right. then they get back and they'll go to like a, you know, double tights, two wide receivers, and you're sending two wide receivers out into a route, mm-hmm. and they're being double covered. And right. last but not least, there's no – somebody should have got fired today on that fake punt. There's no <laughs> possible way you are a gunner and you never look to your left and say, hey – that guy doesn't play on my team. He's why he, he doesn't have anybody out there. Where you know special, well, either, like somebody needed to be sacrificed today. A special teams yeah. player, a special teams coach, somebody. Yeah. That was a bonehead mistake. Yeah, yeah. So I know you're very passionate on that man. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get your blood pressure up too high, man. So I will go ahead and uh, we'll digress off of that. But that's gonna lead into my next question, man. So the Pittsburgh Steelers are o one and one. The Cleveland Browns are o one and one. The Houston Texans are 0-2. The Buffalo Bills are 0-2. The Oakland Raiders are 0-2. The Seahawks became 0-2 after tonight's loss. The New York Giants are 0-2. The Arizona Cardinals are 0-2. And the Detroit Lions are 0-2. BB, my question is, out of all these teams who have not picked up W yet, who has who can bounce back the quickest? Oh, so it won't be. It won't be. We know it won't be the Lions because they play the <laughs> Patriots this week. We know it won't be Seattle because they have to play the Cowboys this week. Right. We know that it probably will be the Texans because the Giants play so bad. And, you know, you're starting to see small glimpse of the old J.J. Watt. Yeah. You know, Davion Clowney did, was inactive yesterday due to a muscle strain. So you're going to get him back, and maybe, just maybe, they're start, they may play a little bit better. Yeah. The Giants lost their center, and that's terrible for them because the nose tackle and DJ Reader is playing great. Mm-hmm. So the Texans may be the first one to get their win. The Cardinals, no, because they're getting ready to make a quarterback change. I know that's coming mm-hmm. soon. Especially Which, after yesterday. They was dumb to give Sam Bradford $20 million anyway. That was just wasted money. He got the Jay uh, Cutler money, man. Yeah, the Raiders. Uh, I don't even know who the Raiders play next. They play the they, Dolphins, who are two and zero. 
Yep, they may not. The whole state of Florida is undefeated. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't see the Raiders. I don't see the Bills. I don't see the Bills winning a game this year. So yeah, we'll definitely touch up on them in a minute. But uh, yeah, it's definitely. You know, a lot of the out of the zero two teams, man. You know, I'm a stay pat, and I'm still stay stick with the Texans. I think they they'll be able to bounce back the most, man. I thought Seattle may may have tried to figure it out, but that offensive line just you can't let Russell Wilson try to pass the ball. He ain't for five five ten five eleven. Sierra taller than that, taller than him at this point. So he didn't got exactly. he didn't got sacked twelve times already. So he not you know I, I don't I don't believe in them. Um, don't really know too much about the Giants. Uh, you know, we'll see what ends up happening with their offensive line. I mean, I don't know about the Arizona Cardinals. They they look terrible. The Detroit Lions, they lost to the Jets and lost to the Niners. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> okay. And the Cleveland Browns, even though they're on their best start since 2004, they ain't even won a game yet. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. So we'll end up seeing with that. But, you know, you know, that's about what we all have for this week on this crazy week, too, man. But, uh uh, you know, I definitely want to bring up that special teams with all these kickers out here getting cut left and right. I've never seen so many kickers miss the field, miss field goals and extra points. That was crazy. But, you know, going on in, man, uh, you know, it's time for the big dummy of the war day, man. And uh, there ain't no need to be no drum roll. It don't need to be nothing else. But uh, I think you already know who my big dummy of the war is about to go to today. We're just going to keep it at 100. And that would be Mr. Vontae Davis of the formerly Buffalo Bills cornerback. So, Mr. Devontae Davis, you are the sports business big dummy of the day, at least on my half. Uh, if I don't know, if, I'm pretty sure a lot of y'all know, even if y'all don't even watch football. Devontae Davis, who's the age of 30 years old, a 10-year solid, solid, solid cornerback, the younger brother of uh, Vernon Davis, actually, um, the cornerback for the Buffalo Bills, ended up quitting at halftime. Like, just, just got up and just didn't come back, didn't get suited up and just walked on out the building. Just just quit on this team. Mr. Davis, you are by far the biggest dummy of the day. Not only did you quit in the middle of the game and quit on your teammates and your brothers, you also sat there and practically coughed up your whole $5 million, fully guaranteed salary if you just sat there and stuck it out. And now you have to possibly recoup. You're probably going to have to give back a majority of this money that you just sat here and earned because you didn't like quit or you didn't get cut. You didn't get hurt. You just up and quit. So now you're sitting here looking like boo-boo the fool because all of a sudden you're saying that you can't take it. The preparation's just too much. I don't know what's going on. Like, I just know that I was putting my teammate, teams in a harm's way by me getting on the field. First of all, bro, you were a healthy scratch last week. Like, you didn't even – you weren't even on the 46-man roster last week when it was time for the opening kickoff. So I don't know what you're talking about. You got to start this week, so you should have been fresh. Second of all, you know, the, the Buffalo Bills by far, except, you know – possibly next to the Oakland Raiders are by far the worst franchise in football. Like they are terrible. Like they are getting drug up and down the field left and right, getting beat. Like they didn't got something stolen from and they just look bad. So Mr. Vontae Davis, you, I, I just, I've never seen anybody just get up and quit. And I have so many questions for you, bro. Like, did you, did you take a shower? Did you like just go home in your shoulder pads? Did you call an Uber? <laughs> like, how did, how, what, like, when did you decide, like, hey, man, this ain't, this ain't for me, bro? When you was out here getting moss left and right, like, did you leave your little eye, eye black on? Like, what did you do? Like, what, what did you do with that jersey? Like, I need to know, like, did you get in your car with your shoulder pads on, cleats on, and everything else? Like, cause they said that he left, like, the team didn't even know he didn't come out. Okay, so I need, yeah. I need answers. So I need some closure in my life. Like, how did you just sit there and decide that you was going to quit? And how were you able to sneak out of the locker room without nobody noticing? Like, that's a ninja move, bro. Like, so then in the day, Mr. Vontae Davis, you never quit on your players. Being the fact that I'm a 10-year Army vet and DB, you've been – how many years you did, man? I did six years. I got medically retired yeah. after six. So we got a combined total of 16 years in the military, man. One thing you don't do, man, you don't quit on your brothers. You don't quit on your teammate. No matter how bad it can get tough, man, you just don't quit, man. The best thing you could have did was just tell the coach, hey, man, I, you could have lied, bro. You could have lied and just had to say my hamstring ain't working, bro, and I'm just going to rock it out on the sideline. And then at the end of the game said, I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and hang it up. But you can't sit there and say, oh, I'm going to – you walk out on your team and then two hours later post something on Instagram talking about you retired. Nah, bro, you quit. <laughs> you you quit, man. So you are the by far the biggest dummy of the day um, on the Big Star Sports. Uh, Big Star, I'm sorry, sports business. I'm getting our shows mixed up. Our sports business <laughs> podcast. Um, you are by far the big dummy of the day, man. Who you got, bro? 
Well, I got hold on. Before, I, I got to hold on before we before we just move on. I got a couple <laughs> questions for you because you know I looked at the Vontae Davis situation totally different than what you just said. Okay, so let me ask you this: One, what if they would have? What if they would have benched him and cut him at the end of the game? Would that then would would this make it different because the owners get and coaches get to do what they want to do? Like, wouldn't that be? I mean, what what was the difference between Vontae quitting at halftime <laughs> and Bill Belichick? Uh, benching Malcolm Butler before the Super Bowl game. Now, he didn't even know that he was about to be benched. Uh, so, that's okay. So, that's how can I explain this? So, I'm trying to explain it for our folks who are in the military mindset. So, that's like us going on a convoy or something like that, or going on mission, and at the last minute, you're going to sit there and be like, man, I got to go to sick call, bro. I ain't feeling too good, bro. Like, I just can't make it. And next thing you know, you sit there. I don't know. I can't speak for others on deployments, but I have seen some crazy things where I've seen folks who try to go home, like go back from the downrange, Iraq, Afghanistan, Kuwait, all those old fancy places and try to make their way back to the States because it gets a little hot out there in that kitchen and all that yappity yap, don't talk back stuff don't really work out there as it did back in the States. You know, the big boys want to sit there and buck up back here. As soon as the lights are on, the shines, the light shines the brightest out there. You know, they tend to kind of ease up, and you know, they kind of fade into the back. So, I've seen people do things where, hey man, I can't, I can't go on this mission, man. You're going to fill in, as opposed to the platoon sergeant or the uh, or the NCOIC in charge, and they're saying, hey, and you know what, comp man, you know, uh, we was going to put you on this uh, manifest, but you know what, we're going to put you aside and we're going to put somebody else in there. Like, what's the difference there? Well, I, I look at it like this: one. I mean, you don't want you don't want to have uh, a guy out there in the, in in the trenches with you that you know that's not going to do his job. That could mm-hmm. potentially get you killed. Right. Two, uh, two, uh, keeping in military. How many how many guys have been forced to continue to do stuff when they're injured, and then later on down the line, you see them all at the VA. I mean, I, 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 and I'm gonna look. I'm gonna use myself for example. I'm going to use myself, for example. I, I, I tore my Achilles tendon uh, right before, I want to say, um, I, I tore it in basic training in 2009, actually. And you know what they told me in basic? Drive oh, on, keep, soldier. Drive oh, yeah. on, soldier. When you get to AIT, they'll take care of you. Got mm-hmm. to AIT, they said, oh, once you get to your first duty station, they'll take care of you. Got to the duty station, had to have surgery, and then uh, they were like, you're going to need a year to heal. And uh, the Sergeant Major's like, well, that's just a recommendation. And the Army will take care of you on the back end. But we're going to need you to deploy. And then at the end, when it's time, I go to the VA. And they want to know, well, what's all this stuff right here? Well, you know, they told me to drive on, drive on, drive <laughs> on. Even though I knew that I was injured. Right. And I know that I wasn't, you know, I knew that I was hurt or whatever. And I knew that at some point I wasn't going to be good for the team. So that's how I look at it with Vontae Davis. It's like you had, he's making that decision of, I just don't want to do it anymore. And, and, and New York is the at will state. So <laughs> Buffalo could fire him in the third quarter and he could quit in, at halftime and nothing could happen. And so I look at Vontae Davis' situation as, I mean, come on, bro. He's in the locker room and he looks around and he sees Nathan Peterman. Bro, do you know what? Nathan Peterman and Josh Allen, they should uh, they should change their jerseys, both their jerseys, to one should say uh, three and out. And the other one should say INT. Bro, there's no possible way you want to go out there and sacrifice your body knowing that you're, you're going to be on the field for an enormous <laughs> amount of time because the offense is not going to sustain any drive. And what, 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 what gets you hurt in the NFL? Fatigue and mental lapses. And so you tired of being on the field and you sitting over there like, man, these dudes. Suck and they get like, and that look defense getting worked the on. Roster and tell me five good. Like, hold on, can you outside? Okay, let's take LaShawn McCoy <laughs> because he's probably somewhere texting goons or trying to break into his ex girlfriend's <laughs> house again or his house or whoever's it is. But you look at it like this, bro. Outside of LaShawn McCoy, I'll give you that one. Okay, right? One, I- I'll put it like this I'll give you LaShawn McCoy, Nathan Peterman, and I will give you. Uh, and I will give you Josh Allen. Name me four more Buffalo Bills. Name me four top, well, just four more Buffalo Bills. Kelvin Benjamin. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Dang man, 
<laughs> is Mel is is the uh, is the DB Melvin on the team still? You not, see what I'm saying? Not Melvin from Sanford, son, but uh, I can't think of the dude's name first name, but his last name is Melvin, but not the one from Sanford, son, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, bro, okay, you win, man. Okay, you, you see okay. what I'm saying? Okay, man, pretty you soon you was gonna start saying Thurman Thomas, Andre, Andre Reed, Reed, Bruce Smith, Doug Flutie. Jim Kelly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, bro? So that's why I like, like at at some point, think about it like this, Eric. Think about there's been sometimes you look at the job and you look and you be like, man, I'm doing all the work. Even, you know, you're like, or, or you look around, you be like, bro, these dudes just not pulling their weight. And, and somebody, you know, th- this this company punishes as a whole. I'm tired of getting punished as a whole. <laughs> that mass like, punishment. I'm tired of being on this. I even look, this, look, this $5 million ain't worth it. Y'all can have it. I'm going to go take a knee with Kaepernick. And maybe he can get me like he may not be able to get me like in the in the Air Max section, but definitely the monarch. He's in the monarch. But BB, he only played a half of football this season, bro. He didn't hey, even play last week. He know he know. But what I'm saying, look, hold on. I put it like this: You should be happy that he played that half with the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> bro. I would not even like the Buffalo Bills could offer me a contract right now. I think I'm At my age bro. of forty six, and I know that I can't, I can't cover my building right now as bad as I, <laughs> as, as bad off as I am. And the Buffalo Bills be like, "Hey, we like to get you know, sign you to a contract, bring you in, and give you ten million dollars." And I'll tell them, "You can keep that ten million dollars." Yeah, I would rather be injured than to come play with yeah. Nathan Peterman, bro. Yeah. What? Where did Nathan Peterman go to school? I don't even know where he went to school at. Pittsburgh, like. The only good thing came out of Pittsburgh was was LaShawn McCoy, Larry Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald and Tony Dorsett. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't say that's what I'm saying. So why would you? Josh Allen was a whack, honorable mention, and right. he was a first round draft pick, bro. Right, so right. that's like Monte I... Davis. Actually, if you look at it, Monte <laughs> Davis is the winner in this whole thing. So you saying that you're gonna go on the, on the contrary and say he's not the big dummy of the day? No, my big dummy of the day is you for giving my the big dummy of the day. And I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's our week two weekly wrap-up show, man. We appreciate your time. Hey, man, tell them where they can find you at, baby, since you want to call me the big dummy today. Good. <laughs> Golly, man. We're supposed to sit together, man. God. Man, I, man I can't believe you. I can't believe Listen, hold on. Hold on before I, before I get it. Let me ask you a question, Eric. In all honesty. In all honesty, if you play for the Buffalo Bills and you had to look on the other side of the locker room and see Nathan Peterman <laughs> and Josh Allen, like, and then, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not even worse. I mean, that's not even a sad part. I'm pretty sure some people still walk in that locker room and be like, where's Tyrod at? They got hey, <laughs> where's Tyrod? Where uh, 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 Robert Woods and them boys at, man. <laughs> exactly. So you can find me at Big Star Sports with a Z on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at Brian L. Bearfield on Facebook. And <laughs> hey, my name is Eric Compton. You can find me on Instagram at Monday Compton. You can find me at Facebook at Eric Compton. Email the show, man, so I can get some people to sit and gang up on my big brother, man, at Big Sarge. Uh, I'm sorry, sports business, Lord, man. I'm man. Come on, sports. Hey, business. listen, hold on, hold. Eric. Let me go ahead and say, listen. Uh, I am the host of Sports Talk with Big Sarge, Monday through Friday, three to five p.m. Central Standard Time on the legendary KYOK, and every Thursday at three thirty p.m. Central Standard Time. The segment is called Town Business with Mr. Eric Compton, where he comes on and we talk sports just like we do now, and he gives me everything. West Coast, so that may help you out, bro. Man, I appreciate it, man. But hey, man, love and peace, y'all. I gotta sit there and deal with this joke offline. But anyways, we appreciate y'all time. Look forward to seeing checking in with y'all next week, man. We out, man. God bless. Hey, you big dummy. <laughs> yeah, right now. <laughs> All right, bro. All right. <laughs>